Hi, I'm John. Hi, I'm Olivia. And hello, I'm Monroe. And this week, we've watched Prophet and Lace. And now we're going to argue about whether it's going to make us quit Star Trek. episode crushed my soul. I, I'm not used to being disappointed in DS9 and I think that's what's really getting to me. I think disappointment's uh, the wrong word. Because disappointment's like, oh, that's a shame. This is just kind of like, who hurt you? And then also, why did you do it? <laughs> oh, this is probably one of the worst episodes. This is probably the worst episode of DS9. <laughs> It has to be. Like, um, like, I know there are other bad episodes, but at least you can get some fun out of those episodes. The best part of this episode was seeing Julian for five seconds in his <laughs> little red fit. Oh, I love it when he's in his Cronenberg um, <laughs> reds. He's enjoying about as much as we are, I'll be honest with you. Here's the issue for me. It begins with this predatory conversation. Quark's having with uh. waitresses or whatever they're called, oh, the Dabo girls. And he's just like, you know, you're so nice to everyone. You're such a nice person. God, it was so you horrible. could be nicer. And it's just so, like, viscerally disgusting to me. And then somehow that's <laughs> I, the best the episode gets. I, um, I remember you. I did my um, big DS9 watch recently and um, I pretty much quit after that conversation. I thought, yeah, no, gonna have to skip that. Ooh. Is that the first time you did DS9, like as a big first Trek watch through, or had you done Star Trek before that? Um, no, I, I had done Star Trek. Um, I'd done Star Trek before, but I'd sort of wanted to sit down and properly watch uh, DS9 from start to finish over the last summer. Mm, uh, went yeah, we... into the December, but. <laughs> this was, was Prophet and Lace the first time? in your Star Trek watching that you went, oh, fuck me, I need to leave. Um, no, honestly, no. Uh, there, were, there were a few episodes of TNG which were like that. Um, uh, probably, though, with DS9, the first one I quit was probably with the um, yeah, the Leprechaun episode. Wishes, if wishes were horses. Yeah, no, I, I sort of immediately bailed on that, and it took me a couple of months to get back to DS9. Well, it is shit. Yeah. It's I mean it's not this shit. It's not actually this yeah. shit. I don't think it's capable of being this shit. Yeah, no, that so, was, you know, uh, fantastic compared to this. So I think if Olivia would like to continue with the pain from Quarks. Yeah. I don't know why I was so excited to delve into the pain there. I almost forgot our structure. But yes, <laughs> it begins with this predatory conversation. That Quark's having with his Davo girl. She's just, it's the way that he's complimenting her and then turning it against her, which just is painful. And he's like, you know, he hands her this book. What is it? Something about Umax? He, he hands her a wanking book. Yeah. Like it's like his karma suture or something. <laughs> oh, God, it was so grim. <laughs> and he's like, you know, read that. And maybe, you know, that would make him, you know, you'd be nicer to me. I don't know what. He, uh, it's just I don't know what it is, but I hate it. Yeah. I think I think they reference in a few other episodes where it's just basically pornography. <laughs> like it's it's the um the book of O for Star Trek. It's all about oh yeah, gosh, just the Ferengi man. Gene, what are you doing? <laughs> but this is somehow worse than Gene's vision because at least like 
it's not fu- it's not like ha 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 look at the silly Ferengi abusing their workers and you know it's not sex the Ferengi are creeps in like early TNG but it's not sexual assault played for laughs oh wait no it is wait no there's that there's that episode <laughs> with Deanna's mother and I still yeah. haven't finished it I still yeah, I didn't finish it I could not do it I hated the Ferengi so much from watching TNG and I just couldn't like DS9 made me think, oh, there's some of them, you know. See, the, DS9 people. was my um, DS9 was my first experience with the Ferengi because I'd somehow because I'd watched TNG very sort of sporadically uh, when it used to air on TV, um, and somehow I had missed the Ferengi completely. So DS9 was my very first experience with them, and from the beginning it was always sort of a bit, oh God, these horrible little gremlins, and disgusting anti-semitic tropes traipsing around and you know you eventually warm up to them um but it, it it's annoying that like rom is to me is sort of like the character redemption of the friendly in a way and i have to see him juxtapose against this mm. <laughs> I mean, all uh, of the, for all of our favorite ferengi come off bad at this yeah because, like, I mean, so Quarky, thankfully, Rom does start by doing one good thing, which is interrupting sexual assault to talk about a, mili- a possible military coup. Which, um, good for him? Maybe? Useful? It's, it's very sort of, Rom is just sort of this oblivious, sweet guy who just sort of blunders ass first into situations he can't comprehend. And, you know, that's nice. You know, he's a nice person. Yeah, he's not like Quark, who's a nice guy. He's just nice. Yeah, because we have that moment where he says, he says about the the waitress, oh yeah, she's so nice. And and then Quark's like, oh, well, we'll see. Oh. And then they they go to see Cisco, and they're like, there's been a military coup, and the DS9 crew are basically like, who gives a fuck? (laughs) It's like, the 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 Ferengulites may have just fallen into Dominion, and Worf is just like, I don't fucking give a shit. Well, like, Kira, Kira's critiquing their strategy. She's like, well, why don't they go for everyone around there? Which Kira's being sensible because Kira is sensible. <laughs> I I did, apart from the very opening scene, which is just horrible to sit through, I did kind of like the intrigue of the episode, this sort of idea of there's been a regime change on Franganar and the Grand Nagus is coming here and, you know, what's going on? What's happening? It's like, it's like the, um, the Bautista Cuban embassy in Florida, but somehow more sexist. So the Grand Nagus turns up, and I still can't remember the name of the actor who plays the Grand Nagus, who was in a lot of other stuff. Is it Wallace Shawn? It's the guy from Princess Bride who died. It's Wallace Shawn. Yeah, which, you know, that's nice, but not nice because he's playing a Ferengi. He, he also, gets a lot of fun. He has a lot of fun in these roles. He does. He does. And of course, then we discover that he's been over. He, he introduced equal rights and then got overthrown by Arm Shinnaman because. It's not, not even equal rights. rights. It's the women who wear clothing now. And it's the descent of society. <laughs> Which, okay, women. fine. It's the Ferengi. It felt like they were trying to like set up some sort of metaphor for like you know equal suffrage, but just sort of aborted that about five minutes in. It's I still can't believe they stuck. They they stuck with the TNG Ferengi women don't wear clothes thing. 
I can't yeah, believe they stuck with weird. that. Because it was dumb, and they should have never mentioned it again after the last outpost. Um, I don't ha- hate it when it's like a background thing, and it's like, you know, we never really have to directly consider that. <laughs> like um, in, in the episode uh, Rules of Acquisition with um, Pell, when it's like, you know, oh, you're a female Ferengi, why aren't you naked, you know? I didn't mind that too much then, but it's when it starts directly commenting on it and it's like, oh God, I'm going to see a naked Ferengi at some point, aren't I? Gosh, I'm glad we don't, don't ever, right? Shadow. I'm glad don't we haven't. <laughs> no, I mean, we see, because um, Moogie has to take off her clothes at one point, but they never show anything above, for, except what's above the neck. Thank I'm God. S- <laughs> I'm surprised that Enterprise didn't show us just nude Ferengi women. <laughs> That seems like something they would have, would have done. Well, there's always Discovery Season 4. Okay, no, okay, no, alright. No. no more We're naked Ferengi. Yep, sorry. Let, yeah. Discovery no will never do it. Naked let's, yeah, let's not dwell I on that. I have been up since 6am. So I yeah, do like... not need it. Oh. So, yeah, so yeah, it's been a coup. The Grand the... Nagus and Moogie arrive on Deep Space Nine and they're like, ah, oh, we're going to have to fight back here. <laughs> and it's, yeah... <laughs> You see, now, now I'm assuming Waluigi, but a Ferengi. I, the way that they justify the entire women can wear clothes now isn't just isn't from like any moral point of view. It's just they're a valuable resource. Women are a valuable resource that we need to, you know, you know, get get that oil. I don't know what the like. I know that this episode is supposed to have been like so. I don't know what the writers thought they were doing. They thought they were making the funniest comedy in Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) So this was written by Iris Stephen Bear. I'm hoping I pronounced his name right. I don't think he um, deserves it to be pronounced right at this point. Hans um, uh, Bilma, um, who are obviously, you know, the frequent writers of DS9. um, And they thought that this was gonna be the funniest shit that has ever been broadcast on tv well i mean obviously rick <laughs> pretty I'm much so, why did I, i'm deleting that i'm editing this week i'm cutting that out well <laughs> bayer um thought that the episode would be a classic you know he sort of you know he was sort of like in this idea that because this is the final ferengi episode of ds9 that you know it was gonna be this gut buster of an episode this funniest shit you ever seen sort of thing um and shimmerman Shimmerman wasn't quite on board with that um because you know because he sort of felt it was maybe a bit too i mean we'll obviously get to his big issue with the episode later but he just sort of he wasn't feeling it he just sort of thought it was a bit uh And um, obviously they chose the one person they probably shouldn't have asked to direct this. <laughs> Why? Because um, it's Alexander Siddig. Oh that his, no! Is that how you pronounce his name? Yes, yeah. I'm so oh. sad that it was him. Um, is he a bad director? No. No, I'm just so upset that but, this is tethered to him. <laughs> uh, when we get to the, the scene, I'll explain why he's an issue. Oh. Or at least why I feel he's an issue. Okay. But um, yeah, they arrive. Okay. Yeah, so they arrive on the station, and they're like, "We've been overthrown." Um, 
I'm trying to remember the sequence of events because it's just such a fucking... Basically, if I remember correctly, they're like, we've been overthrown because women's on a way clothed and then caused a financial crash. And I got, I have been replaced by Brunt, which everybody freaks out because, of course, it's Brunt. And I'm never quite sure whether Brunt is a good villain or whether he's just basically a pantomime villain. Yeah, he's a pantomime villain. And that's yeah. that's fine, that's you know. Okay. We don't need a serious villain like, you know, the genocide-dealing Dominion every week. Sometimes a petty dickhead's fine. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. But Quark we... does show some strength of character. He kicks in, um, Brunt out of his him out of the yep. bar. And we have the, 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 the supposedly funny injury where they keep going acting Nagus Brunt. Yeah, that was... It's, fun. It, 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 it's a chortle, eventually. But it doesn't sit. They have two jokes in this episode. That's the one that works. Yeah, somehow that's the one that worked. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. They in, don't deserve in, it. In, in imagining that, like, I hadn't heard how bad this episode was. But either way, from the beginning, I think I would have had this grudge that just yeah. continued throughout. And it never really redeems itself. Like, yeah, Actually, I'll tell you what yeah. I did find funny. You might find it funny as well. It was a bit with um, Rom, Quark and Nog phone banking. Uh, yeah, I thought that was actually quite sort of funny. And it's this weird thing where it's like, you can sort of see how Sadig was trying to film this thing, you know, because he wanted to film this as a drama. Make it really dark, yeah. Yeah, and there are moments where that works. Like, you know, Quark snapping at Brunt, I think, works. Like, I think Schumerman just wasn't really feeling it when they were shooting it, and that sort of deflates it a bit. But I think it works. And the scene where they're calling and they're like being rejected, I thought that worked. There's a lot the, that I thought worked until it suddenly didn't. The thing is, is that the very serious bit where Brunt basically like, I'm going to destroy all of you, immediately juxtaposed with a scene from a comedy about the Labour Party is very... It doesn't, there's two plots going on here at the same time. Like most bad Star Trek. Well, it's, episodes. you know, it's, it's the two, vibes. it's the two sort of this tug and pull of the script and the direction. Because mm. the script is obviously a comedy. It's obviously, you know, haha, the Ferengi, aren't they funny? And then he has to dig, who's like, no, this is a serious drama about, you know, these things that are happening to these characters. And it's this sort of weird tension which for the first half is very sort of back and forth and, you know, the episode feels very uneven and wonky because you're not really sure, is this funny? Is this serious? Because when it is meant to be funny, it's like, yeah, that's obviously a joke. When it's serious, it's like, oh shit, this is drama. But then you have these sort of weird in-between moments where it's like, how am I really meant to be feeling in this moment? I think the comedic moments for me just came across like I was in some strange fever dream I wasn't really enjoying. I, I, I just, even if it was funny, I was just like, I'm, I'm scared. I'm scared for the next moment of this episode. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, like, it's a very weird episode because um, it's like, they're like, um, oh, yeah, we're going to invite 
all these Ferengi here to show the Mugi and prove that women have business accruement. Um, and it's like they can only invite like Nilva, who's like the Coca Cola Baron. Well, Slug-O-Cola. I do like the Sluggo. I do actually think that the Sluggo Cola thing is very funny. It- is the Sluggo Cola okay? I tweeted earlier that I learn Futurama references from Star Trek, so obviously it's the other way around. But is that um, is that why in Futurama they have the slugs, Slug Cola? I think Possibly. it might be, yeah. <laughs> okay. I do like the Sluggo gag when they all know the jingle, and the jingle is older than the United States of America currently is. And this man just walks around <laughs> with a bag full of Sluggo Cola. I thought. That was actually quite funny, but it would have been, but it, I'd have enjoyed it more if it was in another episode. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot here which would have been like better in other episodes. I think they both gave us and robbed us of cute Ferengi moments, just little yeah. light comical moments. Because they, so they get what's his name, Dilgar, Nilva, Nilva, the Dilgar very... from Babylon Five, yeah. So they get him and then Brunt turns up to be a dick. And you have this great bit with the old, with Zek and Brunt as being assholes to each other. And then you get this, I have a note here about this, which is that Brunt's basically like, I can make you all poor in three days. Which doesn't sound very capitalist, does it? If the government can just make you poor on the spot. Oh, you know, um, the right would screenshot a Ferengi and go, this is communism. Uh." (laughs) That's true. (laughs) I mean, uh, it, it tracks for it tracks for Brunt. Yeah, he is a complete twat. Like as as the finale for like the Ferengi storyline. I mean, it's a good setup for the finale. Like Zek's actually been overthrown and Brunt is ascendant. That's you know mm. potentially interesting. And then we get Quark fighting with his mum, which is just. This is another great drama scene that the script feels like a comedy. I think it's a great scene. It's really well acted. It's got great direction. You know, the tension in it's palpable, but it's also very weirdly out of place in this episode. Yeah, it's a very good conversation in the sense that Quark doesn't actually believe Zek has any agency and he's blaming all of his pain on his mother. And he kind of hates her because he goes against her vision of his society. And, and she it... kind of hates him. Yeah. And it's this sort of great sort of moment where, you know, the last several episodes of Ferengi Specifics are sort of meeting and you have this very sort of conservative quark and his liberal mother. And it's sort of, you know, this is the discussion we've been waiting to see for a while now. And it's great, but it's in this episode. Were they trying to be relatable in that very exaggerated argument, I guess? Over, over the top moralistic lessons from the people who brought us Let That Be Your Last Battlefield. Good <laughs> God. Not on my watch. I, I, I think it was... I think they're trying to be relatable in that it's very much like um, a proxy for, you know, the kinds of arguments people will have with other, their family or siblings or whatever. But then they have that, well, if she had died in that moment when she collapsed, I would have genuinely quit. I would have <laughs> quit. 
I would have stopped watching. Just to be oh, clear, God. I in my DS9 watch, I had actually skipped Profit and Lace. So this yeah, is my so first time I. watching it. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I watched this and then erased it from my memory. Oh god, the I way was she about falls. I think I was about 16 when I watched it though. So mm. I wasn't entirely like I knew it was bad, but I wasn't entirely yeah. like how bad. The way she falls over is so awkward. <laughs> It's very much we didn't have a crash mat available. <laughs> well, um, like I said, Sadiq wanted to shoot this as like a drama, like a serious drama. And then she basically does a pratfall. This is what I mean. They were trying to have this like relatable, genuine connection in this comedic moment. But then it's like a farce. <laughs> oh, dear. Then we have um, the oh, bar fine. scene. Yeah, where Quark explains he's a bad son and they all take turns to call the bad son. I will say, I do kind of like this scene. I think, you know, the mise-en-scene's great, you know, the way it's framed and sort of the positioning and even the dialogue is actually kind of good. Um, enjoy the conclusion, though. Um, yeah. <laughs> what, was that, what was that conclusion in that moment? Like, Quark, somebody's going to dress up as a woman and it's oh. going to be... Oh, 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 I thought you meant in Clark's relationship. Oh, yeah, we're getting to that. <laughs> oh, we missed, the, we missed the bit in the infirmary where Julian appears for the one and only time. Yeah. He's there to call Quark a bad son. And he's, he looks like Jeremy Irons in his dead ringer scrubs. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just there to say, I, I that was bad you know i don't know if it's bedside manner but just as a doctor you can't tell him that his mother was whispering it's all your fault basically on her deathbed <laughs> well, so I, I, cruel. I think julian's <laughs> just tired and he wants them to get out of his hair so he just says he's just a dick to quark to get about the building we move on to quark has to dress up as a female <sighs> so he can trick uh -huh. Hard to swerve in about five seconds. And yeah, I counted it. It really is just a five second moment between like, oh, we have to dress somebody up like a female, then Quark um, having undergone gender reassignment surgery. <laughs> it's not even like, ah, uh, he's just going to cross dress. And I, he, I think he went under the, he had surgery. <laughs> And I think that's the moment the tension between Sadig and the script snaps. <laughs> because after that, the episode's in free fall and there's just really nothing redeemable that you oh, can gosh. really get back at that point. It's so true. It's so upsetting. I don't, I don't know. I guess I, I don't like the way that they portray the women just in general that's like, He's immediately just this emotional mess. And I... Yeah, he got bimbified. Um, he, he's, got, he starts talking about his, like, chest and hips. This is the part I was like, are you fucking kidding me, Berman? He's like, oh, I'm not looking at you. I'm looking at my chest. I'm looking at my hips or whatever he says. He's like, haha, silly women. When it's like, you're going to have to remember these calculations and Quark is like... Oh no, I don't want to remember all those and like swoons next to him. <laughs> uh. Just a woman on the prairie can't take any <laughs> it's... can't take any information in. Delicate thing. 
I think what actually makes this bad for me is having for various like ed like for my degree in high school read a lot of bad fiction that involves these kind of tropes, whether mm. they're racial tropes or like sexist tropes. This wouldn't have flown in the past either. Like an audience in nineteen fifty in the nineteen sixties would have found this funnier, but probably as cringy. This did get a quite negative reaction at the time um yeah it's, and you can see why uh it, i just thought it, I, don't, so I was worried the, that they enjoyed it at the time i don't know i was thinking i mean it's the 90s it's not that you yeah know, they should know <laughs> i mean what baffles me is that it's not even the only way i can see them getting away with this is if it was being done and the whole point was that it was wrong and it was bad, and they shouldn't have done it. Like, the whole point of the plot was that Quark is doing it, they're all doing this terrible thing. Like, if you must have him do what, pretend to be a woman, that's the only way I can see it work, and even then, I don't think that's enough. And and the very weird thing, for me at least, is like, the rules of acquisition, the episodes, kind of already did this, but better. Because in that episode, it's a female Ferengi disguising herself as a man. Mm. And, you know, it's a whole thing. Um, it's a very sort of trans subtext episode. This was also quite a queer episode. Because obviously Quark falls in love with Pell. Um, I mean, my first thought was, why can't they just call Pell? But I, I was also thinking of the episode um, The Outcast from TNG with um, Saran, who is from a race of non-binary aliens who realizes she's a woman and is like enterprise help me not have to undergo conversion therapy and it's very weird because i'm not a big fan of the outcast but i can appreciate what it's trying to say about gender identity and i think overall it does work and i think rules of acquisition although i do think it's a bit sort of uh, with its conclusion i do think it also does have something to say about frankly society that's a bit deeper than what's going on here yeah obviously in ds9 you have dax and Dax is very sort of trans allegory and you know so you watch a few hundred episodes of DS9 with Dax and sort of them being pretty accurate in what that experience is like and then it's like this hits you and all I can think is how did they fuck this up so badly you know I think they got confident with the Magnificent Ferengi because the Magnificent Ferengi is you know yeah, really fucking good and I think they got confident great episode. they could just do what they want to with the Ferengi. Biggest. I mean, it's, it's basically trying to be Tootsies in space. That's, yeah, we'll get to the trivia. Yeah, that's basically what they wrote. Yeah. Um, um, the, the moment yeah. with Rom as well, which I just don't... <laughs> I just don't understand the commentary that they were aiming for. There's that actually... moment where they're like, Rom should have been the one dressing up as a female. And he did, all he does is like say this like BS about how you should glide when you walk or what was that? And there was another part. It was like tighten your bottom when you sit. Which what the hell does that even? And mean? why is Lita? <laughs> the thing about it is that Lita just looks incredibly uncomfortable, but he's going with it anyway. Which is like stop talking, Rob. Your wife is not enjoying it. <laughs> all of yeah. that just looks so uncomfortable. Um, Actually, yeah, the whole cast look uncomfortable. Like, I have taken some pictures of Lita. Right. She 
Shimmerman. I mean, her or her actress. Oh my god, happy. he looks like he wants to die. Oh yeah, she's. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Shimmerman looks so unhappy yeah. throughout this episode. Um, and then even um, what's his name? Aaron Eisenberg doesn't look particularly pleased to be there. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's think... um. It's interesting that you can tell when a cast knows they've got a shit script. Oh, for sure. And they really got a stinker here. And like Sadiq's direction really just does not help at all. Because it's sort of, because these are like meant to be, you know, ha ha funny moments. They're not funny, but, you know, but at the same time, like his direction is so serious and so sort of dead on. It's like, you know, is just the most soul-destroying thing to watch. To watch bad jokes being told badly. It's like Friends without the gag reel. Yeah. I just wanted to know how he was reconciling this in his mind, that he still, even though you can see the pain in the actor's eyes, he was like, this is my drama moment. I how, think... How big of the check did they get cut for this? I think he was trying to make it dramatic because he thought it would be worse if it was entirely played as a comedy. Yeah. That's the only credit I can give him. And if that's what he was doing, good, fair enough on him because that's, you know, he's, he's making, he's finding a rearguard action there. Because mm. I like that line of reasoning because I can forgive him for that. He's <laughs> we saved us. We gotta yeah, go on to Sin City and one. ask him. <laughs> The whole stuff about Rom like being very eggy and sort of knows how to pretend to be a woman was it did kind of tickle me, but at the same time it was like, but this is pretty homophobic. Yeah, it's very much. Talk it's played for it's, it's played for laughs. Yeah, and the eggy Rom Rom stuff is fun, um, I guess, for a bit. But and yeah, there's a lot of stuff to like. Why did Quark have to have, get gender reassignment surgery for this? What was the point? Like, um, and it's like very also weird because it's like, but Rom kind of didn't. Like, Rom got basically just top surgery and a lobe shortening. And it's, you know, and there's all this stuff about hormones, but there's no bottom surgery and like, Quark's not on hormones and it's all very sort of a weird overcomplication of just put him into a dress and it's just gives it this horrible transphobic undercurrent to it I mean obviously haha man in a dress is already a pretty transphobic undercurrent but it's just more so yeah. I think I mean I don't know what to think actually because you know it's I'm it, it feels like someone in the writer's room was, like, trying to undo the progress that they had made with other characters in other episodes. <laughs> and he's like, like, someone was like, I need to set us back a few years. Well, the Ferengi were always a sort of depository for bigotry. <clears throat> like, if you wanted characters to be bigotry, bigoted and make it funny, you made them Ferengi. That's quite. Yeah. So, I guess, it, following that, this is the natural end for a species whose debut was recoiling in horror from Tasha Yar because she was wearing clothes. But this doesn't feel like it's 
within the episode this is like me being disappointed in the writers and the way they're presenting it there's like there's no condemnation of the bigotry it just happens and it's also funny and that was their only aim yes yeah um we and, get to Nilfa's you know, arrival so Nilfa comes aboard and he's like this and he's this swashbuckling character who's like ah oh, oh, drinks like Coca-Cola it's the slimiest cola in the galaxy. And that's that's fun at first. <laughs> My notes just say quite the personality. Mm. Henry nice Henry Gibson that. is really enjoying himself in that role. He's the only person who isn't fucking miserable in this episode. <laughs> and then um the only part where this sort of I get I don't know when it gets relevant to the storyline is they're going to he goes straight to um, their, is it their quarters where Quark yeah, is pretending he's got to some, be feminine? He's got some meeting, um, like I have a meeting the next day, so we're gonna have to do this tonight. And it's like, okay, contrived, but sure. Um, yeah, I don't understand why we had to have that extra detail there, but apparently that's why. So they're gonna eat snail steaks and have a one of the most cursed conversations I've ever heard in Star Trek. <laughs> Basically, like, <clears throat> equal rights and economics are okay, are good because of pockets. Is this also supposed to be, like, an, a little joke that women's clothing doesn't have pockets? Like, Probably. That's what I thought of immediately. I, I thought the, I thought the bit where it's like, you're going to market Slugger Cola to women, you know, tell them that it's slimming. That sort of felt like it was trying to be a joke, but it sort of fell so flat. This is uh, the this is the problem. When Berman is involved, I don't know when you're joking. Not learn not an episode like this. Oh. I think this was um I think this was under Pillar's um overview. The one line that I kind of was like, that's kind of funny, is doesn't wearing all these clothes make you feel like a deviant? Which I <laughs> It's like, okay, yeah, let's flip it around. It's kind of funny. I, I did laugh at that bit, but that was because we were just so, so desperate to laugh at something. That was probably it. <laughs> Please, God, let this be funny. Actually, speaking of the clothes, my God, Frankie female fashion is hideous. Well, considering it's... I hate to give them credit for anything, but considering it's a society where women don't wear clothes, they're just... I, no, actually, you know what? No, fuck them. It's, it's fucking horrible. That's the, that's the thing that's weird to me. Like, this is a society where women don't wear clothes. There's no really, there's no, not really any female fashion. So why were they making, I mean, obviously the reason they had Quark dress up in this horrific getup was because it's ha-ha funny. The man is in a dress. But, um, like, within the context of the episode, they really could have just put Quark in fucking sackcloth and string and Nilva would have been none the wiser. He would have been less horny though and half the point of how it's how ridiculously fucking horny he is. Uh, oh gosh. Uh... <coughs> he had just... to have Quark in his mother's clothing. Uh, it's, it, there's just so many levels to how disturbing this is. This uh... whole episode is, but wait, it gets worse. Oh, Freud give... would have a field day with this. Jeez. I think this would give Freud an aneurysm. <laughs> he just wouldn't know what to do with it. He'd just be like, I, I, I need to leave. 
I know it's like the least of concerns, but I was also sort of annoyed that the Ferengi hadn't figured this out for themselves yet. If your your ultimate love is money, you know that if you expand the people who can participate in your economy, you're gonna have more profit. Why is it only coming up yeah. now? Well, the it, Ferengi it was very, very clever. We've been over that. <laughs> it was very weird. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't mind so much if there was that sort of point being made, like, actually, the Frangia are kind of idiots, if it wasn't in this episode. <laughs> There's a dinner scene, then the dinner scene had these weird cuts to, like, the rest of the episode's cast, where they're, like, just standing right above them. <laughs> <laughs> As we listening. Pa- and then... Yeah, Paulita couldn't hear a thing. Um... Again, <laughs> again, it's, you know... The, the comedy being filmed by somebody who wants to make a drama. <laughs> I'm so upset for Sig. I, I didn't know this piece of information. I don't know if I should be upset for him. I'd love to ask him if he got the choice to direct this part. <laughs> Usually they ask. Usually the actors ask, don't they? But would they ask for a specific episode? They just ask in That's general. That's true. And then, like, they probably don't want to give up any credits yeah. like that. Because I know um, Brooks got assigned Far Beyond the Stars. Because they were like, oh, who on the cast wants to direct an episode and would be good at this? Uh, Avery Brooks. <laughs> well, it, if it works, it works. Yeah. Um, this, if it uh, doesn't, it doesn't. This is kind of like the anti Far Beyond the Stars. <laughs> <laughs> It's so upsetting. I don't even want to mention that episode within this. Within this, like, oh, I, um, oh god, the, oh. It, it goes from the dinner to uh, more assault, right? Wait, <laughs> that's, 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 yeah, I guess we have to talk about it. You have to talk about yeah a scene from a 19, a scene from an eighteenth century pantomime. This, like, I mean, this. this it's obviously juxtaposing what Quark was doing earlier in the episode and being like. Hey Quark, maybe this is why that was wrong. No, yeah, we're he, all listening with us. It oh, it's just terrible. Like he yeah. has to be assaulted to realize that assaulting yeah. is bad. <laughs> so he, basically, um, what's his name? I've already forgotten his name. Nilva. Nilva. Yeah. Nilva asks Quark to have dessert in his quarters. So oh, no. it's very Harvey Weinstein of them. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Where my mind went. Harvey Quarkstein. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm um, calling the episode that. The episode will be called the one with Harvey Quarkstein. Oh God, we're gonna get cancelled. <laughs> Olivia, uh, Olivia, I don't know how we haven't been cancelled already. Um, there's another disturbing element to this, where while he's being chased guess... around, Quark's being chased around the room by Nilva, who's just obsessed and infatuated. He says, "My lobes burn for you," but in Bridgerton. Oh. In Bridgerton, he that's one of like the most like like the iconic line that everyone loves where he says, I burn for you too. I forgot their names. I don't like Bridgerton, but I know that that's a line. <laughs> and I just was like this corner oh. will be unhappy to know that. I just want everyone to have that connection in their minds and ruin the both shows for them. <laughs> I mean, Bridgerton has its own issues in this area, but it's not very Actually, yes, All I wrote was, um, oh, geez, this rapey scene was the height of comedy in 98, huh? And the 90s were a bad time for everyone involved. Yeah. Um, we do not speak of them. And it's, it's, there, such, it's such a grim <laughs> scene. <laughs> 
I have to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but keep this Sorry in, keep to this interrupt in. your You're wonderful point, Monroe, but I don't need to give Olivia the fake girl a little bit more. <laughs> and it's such a it's such a grim scene as well because it's like again the direction's like a serious drama for like le comedy rape sequence. Yeah, the part where he is behind the curtain, oh. and we can't see what's happening, and it's just like sounds. I mean, even then, I don't understand. Was that supposed to be drama or comedy? I don't know. <laughs> I don't understand this episode at all. It just, it just gets worse because then Brunt turns up and outs him. And the, the only way that Quark could prove it, first he has to kiss Nilga, Nilva, which apparently isn't enough. And then he has to... Flash him. Yeah. <laughs> But Quark, Quark has a lot of very sort of... Quark's sexuality is very weird across the entirety of DS9 because I think he is bisexual, but they never really elaborate on it. Well, I feel like Frankie's society has no concept of homosexuality. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, I think the thing about Frankie's society is it isn't actually capitalist capitalism. It's a, it's a deformed form of conservative capitalism. Which mm. refuses to which refuses to actually do any capitalist innovation because <laughs> it can't, doesn't want to. So if yeah. anything, it's actually a better. It is the perfect representation of capitalism, mm. and that is how the uh, you know that's that, that's your actual Ferengi theory for the episode. I'm going to go back to sobbing now. <laughs> yeah, so I think uh. Olivia, you were saying that um yeah, he essentially just has to flash him. Yeah, I don't know which... why. Yeah, which confirms Quark didn't have bottom surgery, first of all, which is something I didn't need to have confirmed for me. Oh, God, imagine if it was just a full-on everything gone, which is what which, I like envisioned could have happened in Enterprise, but I assume has not. Um, which is, and it's, it's sort of, it. and the revelation of like Quark's Quark yes. is very <laughs> weird because it's like, so why was Quark having all these sort of hormonal issues earlier? Because Quark's tes- yeah. testes aren't gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're not gone. What does got. this mean? Because why would he have... They could just apply... apply I was going to say apply appendages. <laughs> no. <laughs> they could just apply the surgery whenever. Well, Quark does have top surgery. Top, but they didn't ha- Why was he hormonal then? Yeah, because... Yeah, I, mean, I mean, unless... Bashir has like just pumped him full of estrogen. It's like Frank. <laughs> so what exactly is going on with Quark here? Is it like psychosomatic or what? Uh-huh. Um I will say I was thankful that Nilva's reaction wasn't like trans panic, but Nilva being a chaser wasn't exactly a step up. <laughs> Uh, he he said, um, cl- "Did he say close enough for me?" Yeah. Which is um, okay. <sighs> this episode is stressful. <clears throat> My hand is on the stop alarm. Yeah. We the end. The only uh, good bit at the end is is when Quark hugs for a hug from Odo, which is still because it's like, oh, the hormones are making him like Odo, which ew. Oh, even Renee looks like he hates being on that episode. <laughs> Yeah, no one. 
just don't, don't you don't have to have be pumped of estrogen or whatever to hug your friends you yeah. know and the and like the the conclusion of the episode is very sort of weird because it's like I mean I guess quite like sees the errors of his ways in being a rapist and you know but why did he have to have GRS and pretend to be a woman for a few days to learn why he shouldn't force himself on his employees? It's, 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 it's as as if he doesn't learn the lesson. It's as if they're saying, by watching this episode yeah, and seeing Quark's female experience, you will also no longer be a bad person. Uh, uh, but and what? then, yeah, then Quark's, then Quark's all, uh, um, Allura, I was wrong. Uh, you shouldn't read that stuff. I was a fool. Go on, you're fine. I won't rape you. No, but before this, before this, uh, he has sympathy for um, Nilva. Oh. And I don't understand why they had to add in that, oh, you got assaulted, but I'm sorry. Like, I, my abuser was... He says, what did he say? He's, he was lonely oh. and sweet. Oh, God. And he had, had strength or something. There was a strength to his character. What was that for? What was his, the his hormones. His hormones. Every day Star Trek wakes up so and chooses like, violence. Absolutely. Oh gosh. But anyway, yeah. That's um yeah, he's like, no, I will not sexually assault you. That she's like, that's a shame because I kind of like the idea of shagging you. And he's like, Yeah, okay, I'm back. And he, and so from that moment where it's Quark feeling sorry for his abuser, it then is reinforced by her going, Well, I was actually interested. And that's the conclusion. That's the moral of the story. So, like, Shimmerman said that in this episode, he doesn't feel like Quark learned anything. And he's right, because Quark learns nothing. Quark begins this episode, like, forcing himself on an employee and being like, read this book and come back to me in a few days. And then it's like, you know, he goes through this horrible, weird, creepy experience. And it's like, at the end, he's like, oh, I was a fool. I was wrong. Go on, get out of here. And she's like, oh, that's a shame because I want to ride your fucking lobes. And he's like, no, come back. And it's, you know, he's rewarded for, you know, being a super creep at the beginning of the episode still. And even in that moment, if he had said, oh, even if she had said, as she said, like, oh, I'm interested, actually. If he had maybe then said still had said no maybe there would have been something I, I there's actually nothing salvageable i'm just trying to see what they could have not yeah done. i mean but had it just he, ended he chases her out in the final yeah. moments of the episode so had it just nothing... ended on quark remaining sat at the bar maybe but yeah chases her out chases okay. out and then the triumphant ds9 theme <laughs> oh hey. nothing more disheartened in my life are we ready for the trivia? No, but yes, continue. Um, so, I go, think, by all means. Monroe, you touched on it earlier when you talked about the writing and how they really wanted to do a comedy. So, the original idea came from Rene Echevarria, who seems to be the origin of a lot of bad ideas. He said, We were all at lunch talking about an episode about Moogie, the feminist movement, and giving Ferengi women the right to vote, he recalled. It was a very preliminary discussion, and I said, I have this feeling that Quark ends up in a dress. I don't know why, but I think Quark and Rob have to masquerade as women in order to pull something off. Jesus. So there was no reason. Yeah. It begins with no reason. Uh... There's no reason. And then this was seized on by Stephen Burr, 
Although he knew the episode carried risks. The idea was to do a character comedy, he remembered. We wanted to take this misogynist character and make him a woman. But it's very difficult, for a lot of reasons, to get people on board with stuff like this. And when they do get on board, they tend to go too far or too broad or they lose the reality or they're not comfortable with it. And if any of those things are true, it won't work. What? Why does it sound like he's saying when we force the writers to do a little bigotry, they always go too far? Oh, jeez. <laughs> what is he complaining about? <laughs> so the production staff had high hopes for this episode during pre-production. Indeed, after Ira Burr sent the script to Michael Pillar, Pillar returned with a memo reading, this is going to be a classic. Oh. A classic. A classic. Shimmerman watched both Some Like It Hot and Tootsie for inspiration how to play a woman. And he said, the difference between those two films is that Tony Curtis was always winking at the camera as if to say, I'm playing a woman, but you know I'm really a man. Dustin Hoffman's performance in Tootsie was, I'm playing a woman and I believe it. And I decided I wanted to do the latter by trying to be as feminine as I could. He tried with the script he had. And, I mean, it was worse. Yeah. He, he said that he, he hated the script either way, as he felt Quark didn't learn anything, as you said, Monroe. But also, the original script had Lumber crying a great deal, but Shimon refused to play it because he felt that it was a negative stereotype against women. <laughs> I'm just like, I think I've just... That's, that's the line. I've left this plane of existence, like I've zoned out and I'm just trying to find peace somewhere else. A further quote is, That's I just don't think line. Quark learned anything in Profit and Lace. That was disappointing. I didn't mind Quark's sex change. I minded that nothing came of it. He elaborated, Quark has been a chauvinistic pig all his life. He becomes a woman. Should he not learn or realize something from that experience? That would have been a great episode to see Quark realize the error of his whole culture's way. He ultimately believed that the episode failed because it was half serious, half comic, and the two halves didn't gel. It could have been a more serious dramatic piece, or it could have been funnier, but it was neither one or the other. I, I understand what they're saying about, you know, it could have been better if he'd learned something, but it's still not a good way to sort of present, you have to become a woman to not, you know, to not be terrible. Yeah. I, I don't understand, you know, that reasoning. So then we can forgive every single man in existence. <laughs> yeah, it's very sort of... Ugh. Just, ugh. Chase Masterson enjoyed this episode. I have images of her face in this episode where I thought that that was her own pain communicating <laughs> she to me. She apparently commented, I have to tell you, I had the most fun in Profit and Lace. Teaching Quark how to be a woman... How does it? How much more fun does it get than that? <laughs> no. I wonder if that. I wonder what the source that quote is. If that's like, there's multiple shots of her looking not. Pictures of her up on Twitter Come of on. how pain. I thought was. that was her pain. The source Sorry, is yeah. the interview you leave that. it to Lita in Star Trek Monthly issue forty six. By the way. Okay, that might have been like just uh, been like because you know you can't really bad, bad mouth the show. <laughs> yeah, fair. But but still. Ugh. So yeah, the Sydney thing is true. 
um, that he really wanted to make it serious. Schumann's quote on it is that he wanted to make it less of a comedy and more of an exploration of the relationship between a bickering mother and son. He tried to push the envelope and take Quark into an area Quark isn't used to going in. I applaud him for it, although he reshot some of the scenes, like the heart attack, because he had a much darker vision than the writers had imagined. Okay. Yeah. The heart attack is when she collapses. Mm-hmm. What do you mean it was going to be darker than like it was not going to be stupid? Like how? What? What, what were they going to do with that? Is my I don't know question. I think I think he probably you know he obviously had a much more serious like what a person actually having a heart attack would look like moment that yeah. must be on some deleted scene somewhere. Yeah, like, there's a quote here about it. it. Cecily Adams said of it, Sid wanted to explore how people who love each other can really hurt one another. The first time we shot the heart attack scene, it was very dark and the pace was slow. It was actually disturbing. We wouldn't have played it any differently had we not been wearing rubber masks. Armin and Sid really liked it, but when I watched it in the daily, I didn't like it. Although it was an exploration of the dark side, I didn't think it was exciting enough. Apparently the producers felt that way too. They wanted it more humorous. Well, I guess they did it. Well done. In the end, this episode garnered terrible reviews. Like, it was voted in 1999 the worst episode of DS9. It's what they deserve. Because and it is. The fact that they had the audacity, who said that it was going to be, a, what did they say, a visionary, a dream? I don't know what they said. Ira Stephen Burr it. thought this episode was going to be great. Thought it was going to be an iconic episode. He deserves that disappointment. He deserves to be shot down like that. And he called it a disappointment. He said the comedy was too broad and we should have played it for drama. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. It's not the comedy that's the problem. <laughs> and now I think the worst piece of trivia comment on it is I'd say for last, which is Luke Snailham, an editor who worked on the documentary What We Left Behind, commented on Profit and Lace. It actually airs better today than when it originally aired. Oh, wow. Um, no, it does not. Hard disagree. Uh, <laughs> Luke, if you're listening, what the fuck? It's gotten so much worse. I can't believe they've said that. So how? In what way? This... I mean, just to be clear, we're all quitting, right? Oh, yeah. Big oh, time. I, I, I quit one minute in. And I'm, I'm too upset to even do the trip nipple scale. I had, had no, I... No, we, oh my lord. We are not adding trip nips to this pain. Oh my gosh. There is no way I would have been able to watch the rest of DS9. You know, I, I just, you know, this was, what, episode 23 of season six. Yeah, hard stop, close the Netflix, not go back to it. I'm so glad. I don't know who told me to skip it. I could probably find it if I searched on Twitter and thank them. But um, I'm some. I was sincerely told, like, no, it's really bad. You should skip it, and I did, and I'm so glad that I did. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad I skipped it as well, because oh, oof. Although there was when I looked went onto my Netflix, there was like, I was like five minutes in, and I don't have any memory of those five minutes. 
<laughs> I don't know what happened to me. That's probably what, a good thing. What was the episode immediately after this? It was like, um, it's the one where like Molly becomes a teenager. Time's yes. orphan. Yes. Imagine. The, I usually watch two episodes at, at a time when I was like trying to get through DS9. <laughs> that would have broken me. I. It's not even like it's a big swing and a miss. It's just shit. Yeah. Like unequivocally shit. Like I can see. I can see the bones in the first half of a good episode, but it's obvious that that first half was a salvage job. I just, I'm drained. It might also be I've been up for 12 hours now, but I yeah. am drained. <laughs> I just have nothing to, to I'm say. I'm so upset for you. <laughs> Do you have anything to plug, Monroe? <laughs> just uh... while I take a second. <laughs> If you search Monroe Templeton, you can find my Medium account where I upload something new every Friday. And you wrote an article about where Harry turned up with a bit yes, of shit. Yes, on the Sea Lion Press, um, you can find under articles um, The Marble Man, uh, The Guns of the South, The Lost Cause, and Harry Turtle Dove, in which I discussed the Lost Cause and the alternative history classic, Guns of the South. And um, if you want to talk to us, which um, I, I'm not sure I can face another human being today, you can find us <laughs> at Quit Star Trek Pod on Twitter, or you can email us at iQuitStarTrek at gmail.com. We actually get emails now. Um, sometimes I check the account. I, I have checked it after Sean, bless your heart, did remind me to. <laughs> so I do read them. We might not get back to you for a bit, but we do read them. Don't worry. Yeah. I sound so tired. <laughs> the, the scheduling is purely based on the episode rather than who comes to us first. So sorry for people who like if volunteered you want to do, in like week one. <laughs> if you want to do TOS, you've got a long way. I'm sorry. It's just, uh, <laughs> TOS is too wacky to do every week. You know, if you have boy if you have TNG or Voyager episodes or a Picard or D or Discovery episode, you're gonna get up right up quickly. Yeah. Voyager, some people have had that week um so i did nearly um blood fever i did nearly request a discovery episode which one were you gonna go for uh i was gonna go for the opening two-parter after the binary um vulcan hello and binary stars yeah well actually do i like them or do i just like starship combat i'm i'm waiting for someone to quit discovery i don't know how i'm gonna feel about it i just it's my love my little love I mean, the, the non-binary character nearly made me quit because it's just so poorly handled. And it's that sort of, it's the issue that the outcast has where it's like, um, it's all about like the pain and the trauma and it's like, ugh. Yeah, and on, on that depressing ending, you know, I, there's no joy this week except for pain. I'm so tired. I've been John. <laughs> I've been Olivia. I've been Monroe. And we'll catch you all next time when I hopefully have had more sleep. Goodbye. Bye.